Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 18 of the UK's only Freedom of Information podcast. I'm Ibrahim Hassan. In March and April 2009, the Information Commissioner published 77 decisions, whilst the Information Tribunal published 11. I'm here to guide you through some of these. In this episode, amongst others, we'll be discussing decisions on information held with a view to publication, disclosure of CCTV footage of the 7th of July bombers, the definition of court records, whether names of FOI requesters should be disclosed, the latest thinking on the Section 42 exemption for legal privilege, and disclosure of commercially sensitive information. Before we go on to discuss these decisions, let's just spend a couple of minutes on some interesting recent developments in the world of freedom of information. Obviously, top of the list is the fallout from the disclosure of MPs' expenses by the Daily Telegraph. It's worth remembering that we have freedom of information to thank for the knowledge that, whilst the rest of us were getting to grips with the credit crunch, MPs were using our money to buy such essentials as hanging baskets, bath plugs, designer rugs and mock Tudor beams. On the 11th of May 2009, the Times wrote that a Labour plot to suppress the future release of MPs' expenses has been uncovered. Senior Labour figures were reported as saying that the future privatisation of the House of Commons Fees Office, which processes MPs' claims, would mean that the information would no longer be held by the Commons and so not subject to the FOI regime. Of course, FOI practitioners, especially regular listeners to this podcast, will know that this is not correct. As we've discussed previously, under Section 3, Subsection 2, information is still subject to the Act if it is held on behalf of a public authority by another person. For example, by a contract as part of the delivery of services to a public authority. See the decisions discussed previously involving the Department for Work and Pensions and Leeds City Council, which emphasise this point. Most public authorities will now have adopted the model publication schemes produced by the Information Commissioner. In April, the Commissioner announced that he would begin monitoring public authorities to ensure that they are complying with the model. His office will initially contact authorities to highlight areas of non-compliance and work with them to seek an informal resolution. It will consider enforcement action after serious or repeated non-compliance, failure to adopt a publication scheme or to make information available in accordance with it. Recently we've seen an increase in enforcement activity by the Information Commissioner making more use of his power to issue formal practice recommendations. Whilst not legally enforceable, failure to comply with such recommendations may lead to an enforcement notice being served or an adverse comment in a report to Parliament by the Commissioner. In April, the Commissioner issued a practice recommendation to Greater Manchester Police for failing on various occasions to respond to internal reviews within the recommended timescales. In one particular case, it failed to respond to an internal review for over 150 working days. The Commissioner's guidance says that in normal circumstances, an internal review should be completed within 20 working days. In exceptional circumstances, this can be extended to 40 working days. The Commissioner has said that he will continue to monitor Greater Manchester Police's FOI procedures and performance and will assess its progress against the recommendations in six months' time. Inadequate records management and failure to comply with the Section 46 Freedom of Information Code continues to plague many public authorities dealing with FOI requests. In March, the Information Commissioner issued a practice recommendation to the Department of Health regarding its poor records management practice. 
This followed an assessment of records management at the department by the National Archives. The assessment found that there are good central policies and guidance in place, however, much of the responsibility for day-to-day -day management of records has been devolved to local staff, leading to the development of local practices, some of which lack consistency across the department. The recommendation concludes that senior managers must do more to ensure that good behaviours and practices are reinforced, especially in the face of organisational changes. Let's now move on to the latest decisions of the Information Commissioner and the Information Tribunal. Information which is held by a public authority with a view to publication in the future can be withheld from disclosure pursuant to the exemption under Section 22. Whilst this exemption specifically states that the public authority does not have to have a date fixed for publication, the decision to withhold must be reasonable in the circumstances. In a Commissioner decision involving the Ministry of Justice, Dated the 14th of April, the complainant requested prison-related information regarding Myra Hindley, Fred West, Harold Shipman and Reggie Cray. The public authority refused to supply the information, applying, amongst others, the Section 22 exemption. It explained that in most of the cases it planned to put the information into the public domain and will do so via the National Archives. The Commissioner decided that the Section 22 exemption could not be claimed. He was not satisfied that, at the time of the complainant's requests, it was the intention of the public authority to publish the requested information in its entirety. This was borne out by the authority's subsequent representations that it had always been the case that some of the information contained within the requested papers would remain closed post-transfer to the National Archives. In addition, the public authority was not in a position to clearly specify to which sections of the information it wanted to apply Section 22. Much of the requested information was, however, deemed to be exempt on other grounds, including law enforcement, health and safety, and personal data. Media interest in the circumstances surrounding the 7th of July terrorist attacks continues, as does the police investigation. In a decision involving the Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police dated the 31st of March, the complainant requested seven items of CCTV footage showing the movements of the perpetrators of the attack that had been described in the Home Office report of those events. The public authority refused the request citing Section 30, Investigations, and 38, Danger to Health. Section 30 provides a class-based exemption and so prejudice is not a relevant issue when considering whether this exemption is engaged. Therefore it was easy for the Commissioner to rule that it was engaged in this case since the images requested were held as part of the criminal investigations into the bombings. However, the nature of the prejudice that may result through disclosure, its magnitude and the likelihood of it arising is relevant when considering where the public interest lies. In line with the direction provided by the Information Tribunal, in the case of Toms and the Information Commissioner, the Commissioner considered that the following factors, amongst others, are pertinent when assessing such issues and thereby identifying which public interest arguments in favour of maintaining the exemption are relevant in this case. The factors include the stage or stages reached in any particular investigation or criminal proceedings, whether and to what extent the information has already been released into the public domain, the significance or sensitivity of the information, and the age of the information. 
In coming to the conclusion that the public interest favoured disclosure, the Commissioner took account of the fact that the CCTV footage of comparable content was already in the public domain at the time of the request, as were accurate descriptions of the content of the footage being requested in this case. He also gave weight to the need to inform the public of a matter of debate, namely the controversy over the decision not to hold a public inquiry into the events, along with disputes over the official version of events due to lack of information. Although it was not cited by the public authority, the Commissioner did find that the exemption provided by Section 40, Personal Information, was engaged in respect of footage from which individuals other than the perpetrators of the attacks can be identified. He ruled that rather than withholding such footage, the public authority should pixelate the images of third parties. One of the factors identified above as requiring careful consideration in applying Section 30 is the age of the information. The general rule is that the older the information about investigations and proceedings, the less sensitive it will be and the more likely it will be in the public interest to disclose. Listeners may wish to examine the tribunal decision in Dr Peter Kelway and the Information Commissioner and Northumbria Police, dated the 14th of April, where some information about police reports into an investigation, as well as forensic reports, were held to be disclosable. While Section 30 was engaged, it was felt by the Tribunal that the public interest in disclosure was stronger, especially taking into account that the investigation had closed at the time the request was made. However, sometimes even very old information will be in the public interest to withhold under Section 30. In the Metropolitan Police and the Information Commissioner dated the 30th of March, the Information Tribunal agreed with the public authority that disclosure of the names of previous informants of Special Branch from the 19th century was not in the public interest. This was because there was a strong public interest in reassuring current and future informants that their names and identities will not be disclosed even after they die. To do anything different would make it more difficult to recruit future informants and bearing in mind the vital role that they play in law enforcement, this would put the public in danger. Court records are exempt from disclosure under Section 32 of the Act. It's an absolute exemption, which means that there's no requirement to apply the public interest test. Information which is the subject of this exemption is where it is held only by virtue of it being contained in any document filed with or otherwise placed in the custody of a court for the purposes of proceedings in any particular cause or matter, any document served upon or by a public authority for the purposes of proceedings in a particular cause or matter, or any document created by a court, a member of the administrative staff of a court, for the purposes of proceedings in any particular cause or matter. The rationale behind this exemption is that the courts alone should control access to documents produced by the parties and served on the court or any other party. In a recent appeal involving the Department for Business, Enterprise and Regulatory Reform, dated the 28th of April, the Information Tribunal had to decide whether the names and addresses of respondents in employment tribunal proceedings could be said to be held by virtue of them being contained in a court record. This information, originally in the form of ET1 and ET3 forms and pleadings, is subsequently entered onto the Tribunal Electronic Case Handling System by its staff. The Tribunal ruled that the exemption under Section 32 applied to electronic records as well as paper ones, and that the individual entries in the database were themselves court records 
and so the information requested was held only by virtue of it being contained in a court record. It mattered not that the information would also be used for management and statistical purposes. Before coming to this conclusion, the tribunal also had to rule on whether an FOI exemption could be claimed for the first time before it. Paragraph 20-26 to 26 of this judgment provides some useful guidance for those finding themselves in a similar predicament. Section 38 allows information to be withheld if disclosure would or would be likely to endanger the physical or mental health or safety of any individual. However, it must be shown that there is a direct causal link between disclosure of the information and the risk to the individual, or that disclosure would increase an existing risk. This is sometimes difficult to prove, especially where the individual's safety is already at risk because of what they do or the information about them which is already in the public domain. In a commissioner decision involving the University of Cambridge dated the 31st of March, the complainant requested information held by several universities, including Cambridge, in relation to research it may have undertaken or be undertaking with primates. This included numbers and species of primates used in previous returns already provided to the Home Office, along with a summary of any current research and the species being used. The Commissioner ruled that the Section 38 exemption was not engaged. He was not convinced that disclosure added to any existing health and safety risk, especially as the University had accepted that an individual cannot be identified from the requested information. He also gave weight to the fact that animal rights campaigns have been going on for many years and a lot of information is already in the public domain, having been put there by those conducting the research. Individuals were already at risk and the Commissioner didn't believe that there was any evidence to suggest that the release of further limited information would escalate the risk. Generally, the provisions of Section 40, subsection 1 to 4, exempt personal data from disclosure under the Act. In relation to a request which constitutes the personal data of third parties, Section 40, Subsection 5b1 further excludes a public authority from confirming or denying the existence of the information, if to do so would contravene any of the data protection principles. In a decision involving the Minister of Justice dated the 9th of March, the complainant requested details of compensation awards made to each of a list of named individuals for miscarriage of justice claims. The Commissioner found that the information requested would be the personal data of third parties and that to confirm or deny that it is held would, in itself, breach the first data protection principle. He was satisfied that in the context and background in which compensation claims are submitted, the applicants would have a reasonable expectation of privacy and would not expect the public to have access to information which discloses whether or not they made a claim and the details of that claim. However, the public authority's refusal notice did not refer to the subsection of the exemption claimed, i.e. section 45b1. Consequently, the Commissioner found that it breached section 171b by introducing the relevant subsection outside the statutory 20 working day period. Is there an obligation on a public authority to disclose the names of those who have made an FOI request? Of course, if the applicants are individuals, chances are that the Section 40 exemption will apply. But what if the requesters are organisations? In a decision involving the Department for Business, Enterprise and Regulatory Reform, dated the 9th of March, the complainant made a request for information on the number of Freedom of Information requests the Department had ongoing, a description of each request, and, for requests submitted by organisations, the name of each organisation. 
the public authority provided the complainant with a list of requests it had received which were ongoing as per the request. However, it refused to disclose the name of a special interest group that had submitted one of the requests that featured in the list. The public authority explained that the request was made in confidence and that therefore the information was exempt under Section 41, Breach of Confidence. The Commissioner agreed with this approach. He took account of the fact that the Special Interest Group had specifically stated at the time of making the request that it was making it in confidence. Normally though, the fact that an organisation had submitted an FOI request to a public authority does not seem sufficiently important that it would attract the necessary quality of confidence which is needed for a breach of confidence claim. In this case though, the Commissioner agreed with the Special Interest Group that were its identity disclosed, it would impact on its right to make representations on behalf of its members without fear that those representations may be released. This would undermine its future activities. The Section 42 exemption for legal privilege continues to be the subject of much judicial comment. Recently, the High Court in Department for Enterprise, Business and Regulatory Reform and O'Brien and the Information Commissioner considered the Information Tribunal's case law on this exemption. This was an appeal from a decision of the Information Tribunal on the correct approach to be adopted when applying the Section 42 exemption. The Court held that although there was nothing in the statutory language which indicated that legal privilege should be accorded a greater inbuilt weight than any of the other qualified exemptions, the Tribunal was right to regard the inherent public interest in non-disclosure of legally privileged information as being of significance whereas the approach of the tribunal in cases since its decision in Bellamy could be seen as having watered down the initially strong statement of the generic public interest in maintaining privilege, the court considered that the tribunal had adopted a consistent approach. In the judge's view in this case, the supposed differences between the information tribunal decision in Bellamy and decisions such as Mersey Tunnel were linguistic rather than substantive. Thus the High Court has effectively endorsed the approach taken in the Information Tribunal decision in Bellamy when considering the application of Section 42. The Court also made it clear that it was not necessary for the public authority to demonstrate any specific prejudice or harm from disclosure of the requested information. In the present case, the Tribunal's reliance on the lack of specific prejudice was indicative of its failure to attach significant weight to the inbuilt public interest in withholding information to which legal privilege attaches. Finally, a reminder that the Section 43 exemption commercial interests can be applied to information about a public authority's own internal workings as much as it can to that of a private contractor. In a decision involving Caffili County Borough Council dated the 24th of March, the complainants requested, amongst other things, a breakdown of costs charged by the council for repairs to their home, its general schedule of rates and the name of the national reference guidance that it had used to determine those rates. The council provided some information but withheld the remainder under section 43. The commissioner decided that some of the information had been properly withheld but the breakdown of costs had not and should be released to the complainant. He agreed with the council that disclosure of the schedule of rates and the breakdown of costs in this case could provide potential competitors with a commercial advantage, which would damage the ability of the council's own direct labour organisation to win future contracts. However, he ruled that it was in the public interest to disclose the breakdown of costs, but not the schedule of rates. This was on the basis that the prejudicial effect of disclosure of the schedule outweighed its value to the public.
ActNow Training now offers a Freedom of Information helpline service. This is designed to supplement your internal FOI expertise by acting as a sounding board or signpost service for you to discuss your FOI as well as your environmental information requests and possible responses. Through the helpline, I'll be available to guide you through any relevant area of law, discuss possible exemptions and how to deal with any complaints. At a time of increasing pressure on public sector budgets, the ActNow Freedom of Information helpline is the most cost-effective solution for your FOI problems. More details at www.actnow.org.uk That concludes episode 18 of the FOI podcast. Don't forget, ActNow Training is also offering the ISEB Certificate in Freedom of Information. Courses are held in Manchester and London throughout the year. If you'd like to know more, please email info at actnow.org.uk Thank you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye.